Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Had to make sure that I got it right on the show. Thank you. Today, we're talking about interior offensive linemen. We're getting back to our final scouting reports, our film notes, our rankings on the 2021 NFL Draft Class. We did everybody on the defense. We did safeties, corners, off-ball linebackers, edge rushers, interior defensive linemen. You can find all of the full episodes for all those positions if you just scroll back on the podcast page. Today, we're going to offense, and we're starting out with the guys on the interior where the ball begins at the play interior offensive line. Before we get to that, Ben, my friend, how are you? Yeah, no, everything's delicious. We had the uh, we had the Georgia Pro Day today. We had we the indeed. Pitt Pro Day today. We also have like random day three Pro Days going on. We have Josh and Bebe, the wide receiver at Illinois, jumping 46 and a half inches, which is not human. It's not of this world. It's not of this earth. Truly uh, insane. It is. It's really quite... We're in the full swing of awesome Pro Day performances. Uh, my glistening gleaming radiant confirmation bias on Aziz Ojolari today could be seen from miles <laughs> every single number that came out on Aziz I was like that's my he also boy. looks absolutely stacked I mean he was just walking around at pro day showing off without the shirt and he just mm-hmm. like traps for days like he was a Bane stunt double in uh, Dark yep. Knight Rises I mean like the dude if you were big on Aziz Ojolari which we both were he was edge three for me was he edge three for you Edge two. Okay, so he was edge two for you. So obviously we are high on Aziz Ojolari here on this podcast. We were totally justified in what was his pro day performance. He came in with the long arms, the long wingspan, a good weight, a great 40 time. I mean, he just had a fantastic day. Yeah, this is not a podcast about Aziz Ojolari, but Aziz Ojolari was six foot two, 249 pounds uh, with 34 and three eighth inch arms, which is banana arm length for uh, for a player who's sub six three. I had a 10-7 broad jump around a 4-6-240 with a 1-6-10 yard. That is healthy. It may not be a podcast about Aziz Ojolari, but perhaps we will talk about his teammate who also worked out a pro day, Ben Cleveland. See, there it is, folks, the transition. get it? Do you understand? Just smooth as butter out the microwave. Probably should have said in a pan. That would have been better. Do we want to say anything about any free agent things first or no? Well, I figured we kind of like recap free agency on Fan Friday. Like we'd probably okay. talk about it on Fan Friday. So I feel yeah, like that's, that's I feel like that's probably the best way to do it. I, I was just yeah. That's what <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the interior offensive line, guys. I have ten that I was able to watch. You watched twelve of these guys, right? And mm-hmm. we're also yep. going to talk about some potential interior offensive line movers tomorrow when we go over offensive tackles but we'll stick with the guys that we have in our interior offensive line rankings for today Ben, where do you want to begin what superlative do you want to start out with i want to start with man blocking scheme because i think we're gonna have the exact same name so is this our favorite or what do you how do you how do you want to do this superlative here because before we haven't necessarily done like the very top guy on our Mm -hmm. board so do right, you want so, to do like a scheme specific? Like it's like it's got to be a scheme specific 
Right. I man want, blocking player. I want the best players are off the board. You need a starter at guard slash center, and you are a very heavy blank team, either man blocking, like running a lot of, okay. a lot of gap, a lot okay. of power, a lot of count, counter. Please excuse me. Uh, I'm going to draft X. I'm going to draft this guy. Or I'm a wide zone team, and I need a, a day two, day three guy who could potentially start for me a guard at center. Who am I targeting? That's okay. how I thought of it. Okay. All right. So let's do man blocking, gap power schemes. Who's your dude? Yes. So if I am on day two and I need a player to say start it. for me. Say as it. A, as a man block guard, I'm taking Aaron Banks. Yeah! His yeah! film is awesome. Aaron Banks Aaron podcast Banks is 6'5", 338 pounds, which you might be reading that and be like, that sounds like a tackle. Yeah, he's humongous. Uh, it's like, obviously, like, Brandon Brooks is not a fair comparison at all because Brandon Brooks is a... Uh, you know, one of the best guards in the league when he's healthy. But this is a, a Brandon Brooks-sized person playing guard. And because he's playing on that Notre Dame offensive line, it's a big offensive line throughout, so it can be easy to look at it and be like, oh, he's not that big. No, he's that big. He is huge. Yeah, uh, right. So you no, have that. Yeah. And you also have a player who is able to play with good leverage, with good technique, with good framing, mm-hmm. All at that size, right? Six five guard oftentimes will lose to lower players on the interior. Mm-hmm. Six three defensive tackles who are mm-hmm. shooting fast out of that gap, who are getting into their chest plate. They're trying to make all of their plays with their arms and their shoulders. They're trying to to just wrench guys out of gaps with torsion. Banks is able to play at a at a decent height with a decent leverage. He's able to get low in the trenches. I think he's a flexible dude. I don't think he's a particularly quick dude, but I think he's a he's, he's got natural flexibility, which is a big uh, a big and important thing. Uh, multi-year starter who very clearly understands how to get the job done, sometimes in a dirty way in the trenches. What I mean by that is Notre Dame ran a lot of different ideas over Banks' career there. They had different backs, they had different approaches, different offense coordinators, whatever. Uh, and so Banks has a ton of experience, you know, working the front side of ace block, backside of an ace block, working a double team, working a scoop, climbing right to the second level, mm-hmm. reaching on, on zone stuff. Like he's had to do a lot of things. Guards get asked a lot in the running game, a lot of variety, pulling, whatnot. He's been asked a lot of it. He knows what he does well. A lot of that is being thick to double teams, you know, hitting that scoop and then climbing to the second level, you know, being on the front side of that ace block, climbing to the second level, being thick to that contact, generating a lane behind which his running back can run and then working to the second level and just getting a tag on a guy like he knows what he does well to be able to maximize his physicality, maximize his length. He's quite a long dude, maximize his power. And then in instances where like he's gotten to reach, you know, a four eye, he's got to reach like a two eye, like guys who are a little bit outside of his range. He knows he's not really going to explode into that. So he'll land the inside hand, get that drag hand located, commit holding. All good players are good at committing penalties. Uh, displace that guy upfield and, and just basically make the read very clear for his running back, even if it's not exactly on the chalkboard how it should go. Uh, it'll be able to so locate that post hand, locate that inside hand, be able to either hold and then let, use that to get his hips back in front or just shoot that guy forward and, and, and just, again, like pave a lane, let his guy work up field behind him. He's very, very powerful, mm-hmm. and he's very, very smart in understanding how to use that power to make things clear for his back even when plays are a little bit outside of the capacity of his athletic ability. Good finisher, extremely tough dude. I like Aaron Banks a lot. So if you're talking... Baltimore, if you're talking Tennessee, if you're talking Philadelphia, teams that prioritize tackle-like size at guard, that's a big-time fit. And if you're talking 
Tampa Bay, heavy duo team. Right. Talking about uh, right. Baltimore, another example, it's going to be a heavy manpower team. Uh, this is the sort of player that you're going to look for because of the displacement ability on the interior. No, I was really imp- I was really impressed with when I watched Aaron Banks. I watched three games of him, and uh, you and you know you talking about him having tackle size. I don't know if you watched that 2020 ACC championship game against Clemson, but there was mm-hmm. a point in time in that game in which I guess Liam Eikenberg got hurt, and they actually put Banks to left tackle. And so, like, you you kind of saw that they were very quick to move him over to left tackle, which is, I think, important because, you know, they're not taking another guy and putting him over at left tackle. They're instead taking a guy who plays his position at left guard really well and moving him over. I think that that tells you that they had a lot of faith in him there. Of course, you see why he's not a tackle on some of those reps because he just doesn't have the foot speed. I think he is athletic and he moves well for a man his size, but it's not like offensive tackle moves well. And I think that that was a good that was a good chance to see that because when you watch the rest of his film, you can really see I think that an offensive guard that that moves super well. I'll I'll read you my blurb of him to give you kind of my all encompassing thoughts on him. Aaron Banks was a pleasant surprise to watch. I had not heard much hype about him before popping on his film, but I was very impressed. He brings massive size to the position at nearly 340 pounds, but he carries it very well. He isn't top-heavy, and his impressive strength comes from both his lower and upper body. He moves much more fluidly than you would expect for a player of his size, showing good quickness and burst on poles, as well as a first step on certain inside zone plays. His biggest drawback right now is how naturally high he plays, and because of it, sometimes his hand placement can get high, and he can hit his hands at the shoulders. I think that Banks has NFL size plus quickness to make for a starting guard in the NFL. So I disagree with the height problem. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I felt like there were a couple of times where I was just watching him, and he's just naturally because he's so big, he'd pop up a little bit. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm taking it much further than the point that you made earlier, where you said that some of these smaller defensive tackles that he goes up against just naturally have leverage on him, and some of those guys were able to maintain the low leverage into their first step a little bit better on Banks, and because of that, I feel like sometimes the hands would come up, and he'd be almost whiffing at the shoulder pads a little bit. I didn't think it was a massive problem for him, but I think that that's the area of his game that struggled the most in what was an otherwise really nice film watch. Like, I have him pretty high as an interior offensive lineman, and even though we are identifying him as a good gap power offensive lineman, I also Mm -hmm. don't think there's a lot of... I don't think there's a lot of liability if you were to run some inside zone stuff as well. Like, I think that he can do all of that. You don't want to have him running wide zone, outside zone stuff all the time. But I think that in any kind of gap power scheme where you're also throwing in some inside zone runs, I mean, I think that this guy's a really nice option to get. Yes, I, 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 right. When we talk about like man blocking, you know, zone blocking, teams are always going to have some degree of crossover. Right. It's it's, it's interchangeable there. Yeah. Uh, I well, think not that totally, he is, but you like, know what I mean, right? I think that, like, especially once you get out of the top tier of guys, which is, uh, I, I like this interior offensive line class a fair bit in terms of top tier guys. Banks is a great example of plug and chug, and you're not gonna, you're, it's only a decent ceiling in the league. I don't think he's ever gonna be like, oh, huge impact guard Aaron Banks, but uh, there's legit pro readiness here in a in a very valuable way to the point where, like, if the Chiefs take Aaron Banks. A little bit like, okay, that's weird. He's really big, and like, I don't know if he, how fast he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to be good on screens, but also 
he's just ready. Like I think in year one, if you play him, he's going to be able to handle NFL caliber rushers. He's savvy. He's smart. He's, he's, he's experienced a variety of rushes. I don't really talk about his pass protection ability. He can be aggressive and he can be passive. He can sit back on his heels and he can jump set you. Uh, if he lands his mitts on you, usually the game's done. Uh, some good hand rushers have gotten him before, but he has the ability to latch, sustain, and finish. Again, he holds a lot. <laughs> but listen, good players in the league hold and don't get called for it. Yeah, you're, you're going to see good. that for a lot of different offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's not me, like corner to me. You know, when we talk right. about cornerback, like J.C. Horn is the example that everybody brings up. People talk about how, like how grabby he is, and they're like, oh, you know, like that's, that's something that you got to really look at. Offensive line play is different. People are holding and committing penalties on both sides of the ball in the trenches every single play. Like, that's just how it goes. You have to be able to get away with it. It's different at corner. So it's not exactly the same kind of conversation. I just kind of wanted to differentiate that a little bit there. No, I hear you. Uh, So, right, I think that it's... When I think of pro-ready players in this class, Aaron Banks jumps to mind. It's not a very high ceiling, but he's really, really quality. And it's a good man blocking interior offensive line group in general. And he stands out to me in that regard where I'm like, he's uh, you plug him and chug him with a top 90 pick top 100 pick and be very, very pleased with what you get in terms of early returns. Yeah. Uh, When you were saying, Hey, we're going to do superlatives like best scheme specific man blocking and then zone blocking. I was like, man, I got a lot of guys for man block scheme, like gap power stuff. But I'm like, I don't have a lot of zone dudes that I, would mention on the interior offensive line. We're going to get to the zone blocking scheme players that we like after this ad from our friends over at BuiltBar.com. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all the bars. But now it's time to find out which Built Bar bar is the best because it is Built Bar madness go to builtbar.com or on twitter at built underscore bar remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order over at builtbar.com and also check back in on twitter and on the dot com to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar we got best zone blocking interior offensive lineman that we're going to talk about coming up next Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, we mentioned that there weren't a ton of guys to choose from when it came to the zone blocking category, but I'm interested to hear who your top choice would be as your guy that you're really going to prioritize, or maybe just a scheme-specific player you really like for a zone-blocking scheme? Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, the best zone... I, the, the, the guys who are limited to zone in this class, in that they absolutely cannot be man-blocking defenders, are like Drake Jackson, the center out of Kentucky. I, yeah, uh, I didn't watch him. Right. Kendrick Green, who's the, uh, the center out of Illinois, who's like extremely fun and had good numbers today but also like just has no sand in the pants whatsoever. These are your like uh, your Garrett Bradbury's of the world where it's like they have to play in a zone approach because if they don't, they're just not going to be able to, to hang, mm-hmm. right? Like they have to be able to play through angles, they have to be able to play with quickness. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the meat and potatoes of this 
into your offensive line class, it's right. It's Trey Smith at, at 330 pounds, Aaron yeah. Banks at 340, Ben Cleveland at 350, David Moore out of Grambling, who's like 6'1", 340. And also, by the way, as like fun film, he tested today. He's over 34-inch arms. He ran a 5'1", 540. Vert jumped 28 inches, ran a 4.87 short shuttle. Like, he's a pretty good player. So right. All interior. But big boys, but big yes. dudes. Right, big dudes, all, all of whom you kind of want coming vertically off the line. You don't want them being stressed laterally. Right. Your best option is probably Josh Meyer out of Ohio State to yeah. be on a zone approach, which, you know, 6'5", 312, the frame lends itself more to movement. But at the same time, like, I don't think he's uniquely or impressively uh, quick. Or, or explosive. I think that he is a very good angles player. I think that he's he's a a solid hand placement pay, uh, player. I think that when fronts shift and when offensive or when linebackers uh, uh, shoot to different gaps and when the, when the the surface changes, I think that he's quite good at reading through that. Ohio State was a heavy wide zone team, especially at the end of the year. And so if you watch northwestern uh clemson right they, they started to really rely on the running game with trey sermon with that wide zone approach you see him take some really really nice angles some second level climbs and be successful sealing off and, and giving his running back alleyways to burst into the third level i just don't think that he is the caliber of athlete that you typically attribute to these wide zone yeah. offenses he's not going to be out there making these these you know ridiculous jason kelsey alex mack movements to the second level and that's fine you can be successful in that regard but if he's like daniel brunskill then it's okay you know what i mean how early are you going to draft that guy uh other thing is like myers never played a guard before and he's a little bit tall for a center and i don't know how much versatility there is there uh i also like it's a little bit of a default to put him in at this this spot for zone blocking scheme because I don't think he's particularly great in man blocking scheme uh, because I, I don't see a player who has a nice posterior chain is able to generate power from the ground up. I think that he plays a lot more so of that upper body game like that we were a little bit discussing with Aaron Banks in terms of how do you play with natural leverage when you're this tall on the interior. I think that he tries to keep stuff in his upper body a ton. Uh, really, really good combo player. Uh, really, really good combo block dude working from the first level to the second level. So going to be uncovered at center a lot. I think he's going to work well with guards that are around him. I don't think he's going to elevate your interior offensive line, but if you've got good guards and you need a starting center, I don't really know anybody that applies to you right now. Maybe like Seattle, uh, who obviously just brought in Shane Walter to be their offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator, excuse me. Uh, they just traded for Gabe Jackson. They've got Damian Lewis. They need a starting center. Like he makes sense there, I think, because uh, he's got good guards next to him, but I don't view him as like a transcendent center for a, a zone team or anything like this that. Is Meyer, this is Myers, you're saying? Yes. Uh, here's my blurb on Myers, because I kind of do see him the same way. Myers is a capable center who comes from a long line of football in his family. From two years of experience, starting with the Buckeyes, he has shown a good understanding of pre-snap callouts and post-snap positioning. He's not the best athlete on the offensive line, and because of this, he isn't a naturally dominant run blocker or a blanketing pass protector. But with solid guards next to him, he knows how to redirect. He knows how to maneuver around the defensive line to avoid giving up pressures. He's not a line-changing guy, but he can be a solid prospect at the next level. That's kind of how I saw him. So I can see where you would say, hey, like he might be the most scheme-specific player. But yeah, even him, I, I didn't love the athleticism. And this is a tough question because the two guys that I'm going to talk about that I'll just, I'm going to throw out there for zone blocking schemes, I'm going to say their name, but I'm also going to have like a yeah, but kind of a thing. And so the first guy that I want to mention 
is Quinn Miners from UW-Whitewater. And Mm -hmm. I'm picking Quinn because he's been on an interesting journey, all right? His 2019 tape, he was at left guard, and he was, I got to, I want to make sure I get the height right. He was 6'2", 335. Like, he was a big dude, and he's pretty imposing, and they honestly ran a lot of man-blocking scheme at UW-Whitewater when you pop on his tape from 2019. But he himself said in an interview, I watched my tape of 2019, and I was, the word he used is disgusted. I hated how I looked. I hated how I moved. I hated being that big. I had let my weight get out of hand. And so he devoted a lot of time before the 2020 season reshaping his body, getting his diet right, going, getting to where he needed to be, and he wanted to play around 320-325 for that next season, which would have been his senior season. Well, the season didn't happen because of COVID-19, so he never got a chance to really show himself off like that. But he continued to work. He continued to stay the course during the offseason because he knew that he would have a chance to prove himself when it came to the NFL draft and the draft process, and he has. He went to the Senior Bowl, and he was pretty impressive at the Senior Bowl. He did. He weighed in 6'2", 320. He looked great, I thought, for an interior offensive lineman. He's a shorter guy, but he showed a really good quickness and burst. He had great explosive scores uh, and just great overall athletic scores at UW-Whitewater's Pro Day. And so because of that, I feel like he can he can do well in zone blocking. Now, it's a massive projection like everything else for him. For example, he's a center. He taught himself how to snap during this like Yeah. Dur- during, I wrote a story about it. Right. No, I know. And I know you you know all about it. And so like he's never even played a game at center. Like he just it, it was it was practice games that he practiced at center and obviously like kind of like teaching himself how to do it. So I, I really like him at center. With him being 6'2", 320, if he wants to play at that weight, which I think he should because he, I think he, he proved that he is his best athlete when he's around that weight, center's a great spot for him. But right now, he just like has no experience at it. And you could even see at the Senior Bowl where there were plenty of reps where he used his handwork early. You could tell he was been in, he's been in his technique and he, he was catching guys whenever they were slipping. There were times when... Just the quick twitch, the burst, the power from a lot of these D1 athletes. He was was coming from a D3 school. It caught him off guard. And so there's a giant projection with Quinn Miners, not just with him playing center and having never played that in a game yet, but also with the level of competition bump that's going to come from going from UW-Whitewater to the NFL. There's just going to be a big acclimation period for him, but... I think he can do well in zone because I think he's a really good athlete. Now, UW-Whitewater really didn't run any outside zone at all there either. So again, like even that's a projection from me. But as I'm looking at guys on this list, it, it you mentioned they're big boys. Aaron Banks, Wyatt Davis, Deontay Brown, Ben Cleveland, Trey Smith. Like all these dudes, these are bigger dudes. These aren't going to be zone blocking. There's not even going to be a chance for these guys to be outside zone, wide zone blockers. But maybe that is in the cards for Quinn Miners because I think that he does show an athletic profile that might lend itself to him being able, being able to work horizontally and, and getting out not just on inside zone runs but also outside zone runs too. So he was the guy that I wanted to shout out and mention there. I'd love to hear what you, what you think about it because you you wrote a big story on him too. I think I would I think Quinn has more proof of concept and right now is better suited for a man blocking scheme. I agree with you that 
he could be a good zone blocking player. I just don't think we know that. No, right, right. In terms right. of he, they right. almost ran exclusively power stuff. Yeah. Now, at, you, at Whitewater, you know, fun little football nerdy time. Uh, the Wisconsin Whitewater running game is passed down from the North Dakota State running game that they ran under Chris Kleiman, who's now the head coach at Kansas State. And they run something called A-gap power, which looks a lot like traditional power. But instead of trying to hit the B-gap rail between the guard and the tackle, you're actually trying to hit inside the A-gap. You have the, the play side guard climb, and then the backside guard is the one who pulls. And it ends up sometimes looking more like a trap block than it does look like a traditional pull on power. Wisconsin Whitewater, anytime they needed a yard, called A-gap power away from Quinn so that Quinn could pull. Yeah, And right. Quinn just murdered children. Right, just right. Just murdered people. Just uh, just devastating power uh that in order to pull you have to have some explosiveness and you see him in the second level like on screens and stuff uh be very effective at tagging guys in space so i do think that he could be a, a good zone player right now i would call him a man blocking player uh certainly his I, tape says yeah. that because that's what that's that that's definitely what we've seen i'm not i, I won't push yeah. back on you there at all but i i know but it, it is a good point in terms of He's probably going to have some of the better explosive numbers of the interior offensive line class. For so this it would one, make yeah. sense that he's got a, a potential zone movement. That makes sense to me. I was talking with uh, Owen Reese, who is our resident UW-Whitewater expert. Um, Facts. Because he was GI on that staff, so he got to be a coach there while Quinn Miners was there. And I I was actually sending him some clips of Quinn, and, I, and there was one clip in particular where it's, it's exactly what you were talking about. They got him as a puller, and that momentum, movement, explosiveness out of his stance, he just smacked somebody as he was kind of coming through and walling what would be the hole. And I'm like, this is a counter-trade play, right? Because he was walling off the, the defender on the line of scrimmage, and the tackle was pulling and looping around and going up where the running back was going as the lead blocker. And I'm like, this is counter-trade, because this looks like counter-trade. And he's like, no, it's a gap power. And I'm like, I hate this. I don't know. Like, it was it was, it was was hilarious. It's because a, there's, a, there's a A-gap power clinic on YouTube you can find. It's pretty nifty. He, uh, he, he was telling me, Owen was like, don't feel bad. In most other offenses, this would be considered a counter-trade. But because of how we run it and where we run it, it's actually A-gap power. So... Uh, I was learning a lot watching watching some Quinn Miners tape. Is there anybody else zone blocking? The only other name that I had was maybe Creed Humphrey because I have faith in him knowing exactly what to do and knowing where to be. Although when it comes to running wide zone plays, I don't think that he is that kind of an athlete to con- that you would consistently want to do that. But I think that he is so smart at playing center, the center from Oklahoma, that I think he could do it. Like, I think he could do inside zone stuff really well because you're keeping him close. But, like, wide zone stuff, I'd I'd start to get a little hesitant about. Creed is the best zone blocking player in this class. I didn't pick him for this because it's, like, specific starters, day two or whatever. Uh, I I have faith that Creed can pull off wide zones. You think? You think? He's he's so... Stinking good playing with leverage. It's yeah, like, oh, like, yes, again, like, yes. Is, he, is he gonna Jason Kelsey it? No. But in terms of like, if you think about like Ben Jones for Houston or not for Houston for Tennessee, like just the ability to get to the contact point and then turn you around, dude. It's strength and it's amazing. So good. Yeah, it's that, nuts. That wrestling background shows up in almost every single snap. He is mm-hmm. unbelievable at knowing how to latch onto a defensive lineman the way he needs to, position his hands the right way, turn the shoulder, turn his core, and all of a sudden, 
that defensive lineman is like completely locked out of where the ball is actually going. And they're sitting here going like, how the hell did that happen? Like, how did I just get turned around like this and neutralized the way I did? And I felt like I saw that so much with Creed Humphrey's tape. He is so smart that I would, I would certainly trust him to know exactly what to do. I just, I have a little bit of hesitancy for him getting all the way out to some of those wide zone plays. I think he could certainly do it as an inside zone blocker. I think he'd be phenomenal at it, but I do have a little bit of reservations about just like overall athleticism with Creed when it comes to wide zone plays. Nope. I'm fine with him. <laughs> okay, great. I, I'm super high on him, so I'm glad that I'm glad that you're here with me. What about toughest evaluation? That's the next superlative that we're going to. I wouldn't be surprised if we have once again the same guy. Actually, I don't really know how you feel about this guy, but I feel like he's tough for everybody. Uh, Trey Smith, guard out of Tennessee. Oh, yep. Okay. This is I, this was one of the players that I was going to. You you started talking like that, and I, I said I thought in the back of my head I was like, is is he going to say Landon Dickerson? Because he's going to be really disappointed when Landon Dickerson was not even close to a tough know. evaluation. Who's, who's, for me. Who's, 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 who's struggling with Landon Dickerson? I, I I just I don't know. I thought Point you might. I thought I, hold on. I, th- I thought you might bring in the injury history to it. No, I mean, that's that's like this is like a film conversation. Okay, okay. All Drafting right. Landon Dickerson is tough because of the injury thing. Evaluating the healthy player is as easy as pie. Like that, that's not a problem. Trey Smith's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a this is a boomer bust player to me. You've got a uh, majority of his starts at left guard. He's also played at right guard. He's played at left tackle. And I think he played at right tackle. If memory serves. Anyway, uh, in a in a phone booth. Nobody in the class who's better. Uh, there are actually no. I should rephrase that. On like rolling power, right? I I I I locked onto a target. I know who I'm getting. I'm I'm either in space or I'm on a climb or I'm just you know down blocking on a three tech whatever. I just he just is a rhinoceros. He's just a ton of bricks. There's times where that's also the case in a phone booth, right? Like pass protect, I'm in a short set, three techs coming right at me. I latch hands, I lock out, I move this man against his will. I'm Trey Smith, I dominate, I teabag you, I win. There's a lot of inconsistency that happens that I think is because he's thinking on his feet, which he doesn't have a need to do. He has started for four seasons. He should know what he's looking at, what he's doing. So there's times where there's hesitancy that worries me. And I, and I don't know, maybe I'm projecting hesitancy onto a player who's just more timid than I think he should be relative to his power. Also, there's great linear power. There's not great torsion strength. And that also is a problem. And, and I, I use the phrase torsion strength a lot when I talk about uh, interior offensive linemen, it tackles as well. Talked about it with Creed Humphrey. You got to be strong through your core because you're not always displacing a guy linearly. Right. right. It's not always right. I'm yes. here. He's across from me and I'm going to put myself through him and take him on a straight line. Mm-hmm. There are times that's beneficial and Trey Smith's really good at those times, but there's also times we talk about reach blocks. We talk about scoop blocks and being able to generate uh, uh, clear reads for your running back. He wants to run behind your back he wants to run between two backs of offensive line machines. You have to be able to get your hips around a guy if, if, if he's on the play side of you. Trey Smith just does not have, in my opinion, great torsion strength. He doesn't have the ability to take a guy and rip him through his, with rotating your spine, rotating your hips, displacing him with torsion, displacing him on a circle instead of in a straight line. So that creates a limit into what Smith can do. 
Also, we talk about displacement. If linear displacement is great, torsion displacement, not so much. I have issues with his grip strength. I think that there's times where he goes to just shock a dude into next week mm-hmm. and, and he's unable to sustain his grip because he's so oriented on the punch that he doesn't land his hands and get a good grip and then his grip gets broken it's you're you're 6'6 330 with vines and mitts you should not be having your grip broken by like old miss defensive tackles you know like this is not uh, they're good players but like this, these are the sort of players that as, as the caliber of recruit that you were you should be expected to dominate so there is the the height weight power and then also uh the quickness is, is good it's nfl caliber he, he's he, he when he gets moving he's quick that details a starting nfl guard four years of experience at an sec program should have gotten trey smith further along than where he is now so i'm worried that there's something keeping him at this point whether it's it's football iq whether it's technique whether it's obviously the time that he missed he had the blood clot issue yeah. whatever it is there's a, there's a lot of inconsistency for a four-year SEC starter with this much talent, with this recruiting background that worries me. I think he's a day-two pick. I do not think he is a year-one starter. I'm not even sold he's going to be a year-two starter. And so this is where we, we are in a completely different universe than Aaron Banks. Banks is going to walk in. He's going to start for you in year one. And he's going to be exactly what he is. Trey Smith could be so much more than what he is right now. But getting him there is a difficult conversation. In a class with so many good guards with tackle size, centers with guard size, big body, big movers. I don't know where to place him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was tough. I mean, like he's, he's, he's in the right category. He was, he was, he was a tough eval to give context to him. Of course, he had the blood clots in his lungs that were found that forced him to miss uh, most of the 2018 season. He came back, but obviously 2019 was kind of an acclimating year getting back from that. And then what we saw in 2020 was was the final year of his film that we were all kind of breaking down. Even with him missing that 2018 season and going through that, I do think that he certainly should have been further along than he is, especially for, I think, how physically gifted he is. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll read my blurb on him. Trey Smith came to Tennessee as the number four offensive tackle recruit in the country. He started at left tackle his freshman season before kicking inside to guard. His size is his best attribute at a massive 6 foot 5 330 pounds with a good strong base and stance. However, size being his best attribute is not really a good thing. For as big as he is, he's not as dominant at the point of attack at all angles. Both his feet and his hands seem heavy, which lends to him losing the first contact battle as well as the consistency when staying in front of one gap pass rushers. He's quick out of his stance, but slow moving after that. His size lends him to have a potentially long career in the NFL as a backup interior offensive lineman, but his athletic limitations, at least what we see them right now, and lack of quickness in many other areas likely means he won't hold a starting job in the long term. I'm not so sure this guy's even a day two guy. I, I probably would not be drafting Trey Smith until the early parts of day three because of really what you said there, he, he the blood clots are, are important to remember, and this would be part of the sitting down, getting to know him and his journey part of scouting, but it still feels like he has had too many games, too many snaps under his belt to be as slow as he is with his feet and his hands. I, I just feel like he is not dictating contact 
nearly as much as he needs to. I feel like he is very reactionary. There are often times where he is just getting pushed back. The first punch is going straight into his chest, and it take you know it's, we don't even see his hands get up into the defensive tackle. I feel like his feet were slow moving when it came to faster rushing interior defensive guys, guys who were really penetrating one gap, and I just really didn't love it. I, I think the size certainly lends to him being an, an NFL player because the NFL is always going to give offensive linemen who are as physically gifted as him a chance. Like, he'll always stick around in the NFL. I just think it's always going to be a backup unless we see a drastic change from him. I, I don't even I, I'm, I, I don't even think I'm taking this guy on day two. I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with him as a day three player, honestly. Mm. He is... I remember watching that 2019 film in the summer and being like, man, we, uh, like we got to get something really special here. And you watch the 2020 film and you're like, I mean, we still could, <laughs> right, <laughs> but right? We ain't got which it. Which is, yet. yeah. Which is unfortunately not great. I'll, I'll say a different guy. Uh, since we already just kind of went over Trey Smith a little bit, Ben Cleveland was kind of tough for me because I really like Ben Cleveland and you mentioned some of his pro day numbers. I can't, did you talk about them at the beginning of the show, or did we talk about that before the show? I can't remember. He, I honestly can't remember, but I'll find him again. He showed uh, he showed up to Georgia's pro day a little bit lighter because I think he played at like 350, 355, and he showed up almost around 340, like 343 or something like right. that. I, I see a 485 unofficial for Ben Cleveland. I mean, that's I just see a 494 from Jim Nagy. Uh, ben Cleveland was 340 pounds. I mean that's just th- those are those are still <laughs> insane numbers running in a straight line for a dude who is three hundred and forty pounds, about six foot five, six foot six. So you also look at his body, and Cleveland carries his weight super well. There's a lot yeah. that's in the upper back, the traps, the shoulders, the chest, and you go like, man, this dude could beat the absolute tar out of me. If I saw him in a bar, I would do whatever I could to make sure that I'm on his side if anything goes down. Like, that's the kind of dude that Ben Cleveland is. And I think that he just, he carries his weight so well. He looks so powerful. His stance is so powerful. And I think that he's really physically imposing on a lot of different players. But that linear athleticism doesn't show up nearly as much when he's turning. Lateral athleticism. When it comes to him, like we talked about with... Creed Humphrey, redirecting players, flipping your hips, using your core, getting around, turning the shoulders, walling guys off. All of that is really important. And even beyond just that, staying in front of quicker, more twitched up interior pass rushers. Cleveland has a tough time doing it just because he does not move uh, laterally as well as he does in a linear sense. You're going to see a lot of really great explosive numbers from Cleveland because, shoot, man, when you watch him run power, have a double team, climb to the second level, I mean, like, he's a locomotive. He's coming at you, and linebackers are scared to even engage the block, even though they know they have to because that's their fit. But that's the kind of guy we're talking about. I just, I I, I feel, I, I wish that his linear athleticism bled over a little bit into how well he moves side to side. Because if we had that, man, we'd have, I think, a really nice interior offensive line prospect. And I still like Ben Cleveland. I do. But he was a tougher evaluation because I know how athletic he is. 
I just didn't see it in all facets. So there were certain parts of his game that were holding me back from really thinking that he could be a starting guard early in the NFL, even though he has the size, he has the power. Then that run blocking ability is so great. How he can work off double teams again. Like it's all fantastic stuff. That is NFL caliber starting right now. But there are areas of him staying in front of guys and pass protection that I just, and, and even some of the quicker exploding interior defensive linemen who are trying to get from one spot to the other that he just has trouble keeping up with. So that's what made him a tough eval for me. Yeah, I think that he's a guy who can, I think he'll get drafted on day three and there'll be injuries and he'll be asked to start and he'll be able to like hold it down and like he'll be talking about like, oh, maybe he can hold on to this job like, you know, moving forward and maybe he can be like a day three starter for them. Kind of like Terrence Steele was a little bit or not Terrence Steele. Uh, Bradley Bozeman was for the uh, the Ravens like last year, right? And then it's just like, there's just too much limiting this guy. He's just a great swing player. Like he's an awesome stopgap, but it's just not the caliber of high of, of starting play snap in and snap out against all body types and against all opponents that you need to be like a starter in the league. But I'd love to have him on my team. I just want him on my bench to start the season. Who do you think gets drafted first? Trey Smith or Ben Cleveland? Ben Cleveland. Okay. So you think, so you think the Ben Cleveland gets drafted first? Yes, I do. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Trey Smith was like a five-star recruit. He was, he was, he was, but you gotta, you gotta remember who Ben Cleveland is. Okay. This is a, Country strong dude who just loves playing O-line, loves being big, has a story about how when he was hungry after school as a high schooler one day, he went out and shot two squirrels and just grilled them up on the grill because he wanted a snack. That's the kind of offensive lineman that we're talking about here. Ben Cleveland and my dog looking at squirrels and wanting a snack. (laughs) I think that Ben Cleveland gets drafted before Trey Smith. I, I, I also do, but then I remember Trey Smith was a five-star, and I remember the rules don't apply to ex-five-stars. But I still think it, it should be Ben Cleveland. I think it will be Ben Cleveland. But if a team spends, like, 68 overall on Trey Smith, I'll be like, yeah, of course they did. All right. Okay. Uh, What's the last What's the last one we're doing? Favorite day three target? Okay, we're doing favorite day three target, and then, of course, our top fives in the interior offensive line after this ad read. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball, NHL, they're on full swing. Real-time updated odds, props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, LOCKEDON, when you sign up. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Final thoughts and final rankings on this interior offensive line class coming up next. Wednesdays on Locked On NFL, take a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Tony Wiggins and James Rappian are joined every week by a Locked On NFL draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh in the league. Did your team have a big rookie performance this year? Or are they shaping up to have a premier impactful draft pick in the upcoming 2021 NFL draft? Get everything you need Wednesday on Locked On NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcast. All right, Ben, do you have any day three guys that you maybe didn't mention yet that you want to give a shout out to? I mean, we've talked about Trey Smith. We talked about Ben Cleveland, Josh Myers. Those are some guys that are lower on my rankings at the at the very end of the 10 guys I watch. But do you have anybody else that you wanted to shout out before we got to our top fives? Yeah, David Moore. I'm going to do it again. Okay. 
Okay, Gram- Grambling David Moore. Do you want to say some more words on him, or is that just you want to give him a shout Do yourself out? a favor and YouTube David Moore, or YouTube Grambling State O-Line versus Alabama A&M 2019. And you might be like, bet a film of an NFL draft prospect against Alabama A&M is useless. And you know what? I mean, you're probably right, but it doesn't mean it's not hilarious. Uh, David Moore plays right guard for the Grambling State, no, just Grambling, Hornets, I want to say. They're black and, and yellow. Yeah, they are uh, black and yellow. I don't know what the mascot is, but I'm going to be honest. Anyway, so he plays left guard for Grambling. He is six one and a half. Tigers. Three. Tigers. He is six one and a half, 335 pounds, which if you're Large. doing the math, means he is a dense young fellow. And he is angry at something in the world he is uber aggressive and so he has natural leverage a ton of hitting power and bad intentions so when he comes off the ball at some of these poor alabama a&m aggies or whatever the heck they are he just rails kids for four quarters and i like his his energy levels in quarter four are so impressive too because you you would think that he's carrying a bit of bad weight and it's not necessarily uh, his, his, you know, uh, he's not going to be a guy who continues to be a finisher, continues to be an, ag- an aggressor and continues to, to run through blocks in the fourth quarter. But he is, he really, really has that energy. He is so good in the short areas. He's actually got good length. Like he's not, he doesn't get beaten on the outside shoulder because of bad length, which is really nice. Cause he's squatty. So you would assume that he's not, uh, uh, super long. You would assume he's stubby, but he's not, he's got good length to him. He gets beat on the outside because he just plays way too uh, forward. He plays way too upright. He wants to take those forward steps. He wants to chop step. He wants to jump step. He wants to, to always be moving it at you. And he needs to learn how to sit back and play on his heels a little bit. I think that Moore is a great day three player because he is scheme agnostic. He has the quickness and length to be able to play zone. He has the power uh, to be able to play, to be able to play block a man blocking scheme. He has a big jump in competition, which means that I wouldn't want him starting in year one. But when you watch him play against some of the best teams that they played, uh, Louisiana Monroe, I know they played, who was a power five team. And I think they played Louisiana Tech as well. Uh, he had quality reps in those games. Certainly, they, you know, teams played a little bit faster, gave him a little bit more challenges on his outside shoulder, but I think he played well. And then he was quite good in the senior bowl. And we often talk about interior, uh, like one-on-one reps, defense line versus O-line, not benefiting the offensive line. With the way David Moore plays, which is, I'm going to jump set you into oblivion. It actually was to his benefit. Like he's like, I, I know exactly where that guy's lined up and I know he's coming at me. I'm stepping right into him. And he got beat on, on like, you know, quick inside moves. And sure. he was a little bit too aggressive coming in. I could, like, I, I could, I could have told you that might've been his negative just from the positive, the overwhelming positives that you were telling me. Right. So you, uh, you, you watch his senior bowl reps and he, he's handling Marvin Wilson. Uh, he's handling Malik Herring. He's handling these high caliber recruits, ACC, SEC caliber guys with aplomb uh, and so to me this is a very very quality day three developmental guy got the measurables that you want to see has the film at the lower level that you want to see you got to change play style a little bit more than technique and i'm just gonna have to kind of teach him some new techniques in that process but if you just give him a different framework to work in then i think he's going to be more successful pretty quickly as he gets up to nfl caliber speed if he 
just does not have anchor ability, which I think he is a little bit of a top heavy build, then you're not going to get it no matter what. He's going to have to stay a jump setter because he just can't sit and, 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 and withstand bull rushes. So it's, there's, there's probably a a bit of a natural limitation. You're never going to be able to get around, but I think if you can teach him to play a little bit more on his heels, you can get a starting caliber player to David Moore. So I like him a lot. All right. Big shout out. David Moore. I watched him on a whim because like I I had exhausted most of the interior offensive line like cut-ups on YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, I got to watch more All-22 film and like, I don't know if I have time for that and it's so exhausting. And I was like, oh, they got David Moore cut-ups. Let's watch David Moore. And then I was like, this is elite. This is awesome. (laughs) This guy's the man. I'm all for watching. Do you recommend that people start with David Moore or end with David Moore? End with David Moore. Yeah, yeah. It's just a day three offensive lineman out of Grambling. Get 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 your you know Creed Humphreys and Landon Dickerson's done first. Yeah, and then if you're like you got nothing to do and you want to watch some fun film, I'm telling you Alabama A and M. Just watch them in the third quarter, just mowing over kids. I always love that tape. Who is um? Oh Lord, who is the offensive tackle? Desmond Harrison, the West Georgia kid. Yes, I do not remember Desmond Harrison's film as fondly as you do, apparently. I remember watching Desmond Harrison's film, and I was like, this dude's an absolute mauler. And it was probably, the reason I bring it up is because it was probably to the same effect of you watching David Moore. It's just like, you watch this superior offensive lineman beat the crap out of his lower-level competition. Unfortunately, Desmond Harrison didn't really work out in the NFL, but hey, maybe David Moore can. Let's talk about our top fives. Where we start? Five for me was Quinn Miners. Quinn's Ooh, film is great. Nice, his nice. Film is his film is is his film was NFL caliber as athleticism is NFL caliber. Uh, year one starter, I think so. Has the size, has the explosiveness, clearly has the technique. Um, I graded him out very highly. Four for me is Deontay Brown. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about Deontay Brown. Deontay Brown is a 6'3", 365-pound senior guard from Alabama. If you thought David Moore was a chunky boy, Deontay Brown, baby, like that is a square. Huge. Oh my goodness. He is let's not not dissimilarly to Aaron Banks. He understands what he is body type wise. And so he he knows how to win. And so he he knows if he can get in front of you, you can't go through him. And so he's a very smart pass protector who uses his width and his natural leverage and his anchor to his advantage. It's He's a very, very solid pass protector at guard, even for the limitations he has as a lateral athlete. So I mm-hmm. like Dante Brown a, a lot. I think that he's a, a starter in year one. Number three for me is Creed Humphrey. The biggest thing I struggle with for, for Creed, whose film is just incredible, is the arm length. Uh, Creed's arms come in under 31 inches, at center or excuse me under 32 inches at center in the nfl combine you've only had nine such players come through presumably starting at center uh in mock draftables database which is over two decades Mm -hmm. it is a problem for him when he's facing good rushers at the nose and so there's going to be losses on creed humphrey's film that are a result of, of insufficient length, especially because of how tall he is as well. So he really has to sink low and work his levers well in pass protection to sustain over time. That's a little bit of why I think he plays center because it usually protects you from those quick head-up rushes that you get when you're at guard. Other than that, in terms of play recognition, football IQ, he is incredibly smart. He's incredibly savvy. And then because he's so smart, because he's so savvy, I think that, as we discussed earlier, people look over the fact that I believe he's explosive and I believe he's powerful. I think he's clearly an NFL caliber athlete. So I like Creed a lot. I just can't get all the way in on him. Cause I'm a little bit worried about the arm length. Uh, 
Number two for me is Landon Dickerson, who's just absolutely bananas uh, talented. There's really nothing to worry about with Landon in terms of the on-field ability. I do wonder if the NFL position is center. I think it'll be guard just because he's too big to play center. I mean, unless you're he's unless it's huge a, man, super, he's six five three thirty. So unless you're talking about a supersized offensive line, it's just ludicrous. Uh, 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 I, no, I can't think of a line in the league that's big enough at guard to play Landon at center, which is kind of stupid, but like that's how the league thinks. Uh, so I think he's going to be a guard, uh, and I think that he's going to be a, a tremendous guard if he can stay healthy. With that said, number one for me is Elijah Vera Tucker uh, out, out of USC, who I would probably play at tackle first, fail him at tackle, and then play him at guard. Uh, I think that he could be a Pro Bowl caliber guard. I also really think that he could be a Pro Bowl caliber tackle too. We'll talk about that more on the Offensive Tackle podcast. Uh, but Elijah Vera Tucker, who uh, is a just unbelievably polished player in terms of hand usage and angles, both from the inside and on the outside, which is nuts to see. Usually a player who's so good with his angles at guard is just not going to be able to do that at tackle because it's totally different. And yet he was just so steady immediately. Uh, very, very impressive player in terms of, of addressing different rushers from different angles, different body types at guard and at tackle. I think he is so ridiculously smooth. I think he is so ridiculously pro ready in that sense uh throw in the fact that athletically he's i think the best mover in space of the three top guys i've talked about vera mm -hmm. tucker landon dickerson and creed he is my uh offensive lineman two behind penny sewell both at tackle and at guard i like him a lot number five for me actually i want to start with number six because i just want to shout out because quinn miners is, is no he's my number six and he was your number Cheating. five so i wanted to say that he was he was close he was very close oh wow wow you don't like quinn as much as i do shame okay mm. great uh, Wyatt Davis is my number five. I really liked Wyatt Davis. And, you know, I feel like the outlook on Wyatt Davis was to his detriment because of the NFL draft process. Like, we went into the season and we went into the summer saying, like, okay, Wyatt Davis, he's the best guard there is. He's really powerful. Uh, he could be a real people mover. Like, he is a top 10 prospect in the class. And, like, we talked about him as potentially being a top 10 guy, top 15 guy. And then we realized, like, oh, okay, like, we maybe got out of hand there. But I think now people are sleeping on him a little bit because the biggest issue I had with his game is simply consistency. Like, I think he just wanted to beat the absolute crap out of everybody that he was going up against. And because of that, it was almost like the same thing that you were talking about with David Moore. He just, like, overcommits a little bit. And guys will get the better of him because he'll overcommit. That's super correctable to me because I was I was more impressed than I thought that I was going to be with how smooth he was and how well he handled pass protection. Like, I thought he was just going to be one of these mauler kind of interior offensive linemen that I was really going to be worried about when it came to quick, quick twitch athletes, guys who were one-gapping, and I just thought I was going to have a big problem with him. I really didn't. That, that Like, yeah, he struggles with that a little bit, but I think it's consistency issues more than it is he just can't do it. So I think you clean that up, you get him a little bit more consistent, you have a really good, really nice starting guard in the NFL. Number four is Aaron Banks. I'm higher Ooh. than Aaron Banks than you. I loved Aaron Banks' tape. I, I thought he was, he was fantastic. Again, you know, like I read the blurb for you guys. Huge size. I thought he was scheme versatile and a lot of the things that he could do. Yeah, I don't think his feet are quick enough to play tackle, but I think they're certainly quick enough, and he can run enough. He's fluid enough at his size to be able to play all different kinds of responsibilities as an interior offensive lineman. So I'm very high on him. I think that he's got a starling caliber as a guard. Creed Humphrey is my three, same thing. He's just so smart. I, I mean, you watch Creed Humphrey tape, and it's just it's a chef kiss of exactly what you want from a center. He knows exactly where he needs to be. He knows how to reach. He knows how to get over to guys and completely wall them off, even if it's like, a full gap to his right or left. This dude is 
doing everything that he needs to do to take the correct steps, the correct footwork, put him in the right spot, use that wrestling background, that great core strength to redirect guys. And yeah, I mean, I think that the arm leg definitely shows up. And I think the speed becomes a limitation when you're talking about him running true outside zone. But everything that has to do with gap schemes, power runs, inside zone plays he just he's so good and he knows how to do it all and he's an ace at it Elijah Vera Tucker is my two I think he's a guard uh I I think that I'm not totally opposed to what you're saying where you fail him at tackle first because I think he can play it obviously he had this past season that he played left tackle for the Trojans but even watching his 2020 tape with him as a full-time left tackle I still the whole time was like he looks like he's a guard playing tackle. And he's a very good offensive lineman. First first sentence I have in my blurb is, Vera Tucker is just a straight-up good offensive lineman. And that's why he can, he can succeed at tackle, at least he was able to in college, because he's just one of those guys who's just a really, really good offensive lineman. But I truly think his best tape is going to be at guard. When I watched his 2019 stuff, I was very impressed. And so I think that when you look at his body type, his center of gravity, where he finds his flexibility, what he does as a people mover when he when he's when he's playing at guard, all of that just projects at him being a better guard. So maybe look, if you're taking him in the top 15 and you want to try him a tackle, more power to you. I just think that he's going to eventually end up a guard. Landy Dickerson is number one to me. I was blown away by this guy's tape. He's nuts. I'll, I'll, I I want to read the blurb because I want to I want to talk about Landon Dickerson as much as I possibly can. Landon Dickerson's film is one of the most enjoyable film watches you will find in 2021. He is a massive center prospect who has guard experience and versatility. His footwork, his flexibility, his balance are all top notch, and his movement ability for a player of his size is so impressive. He's also physically imposing as a blocker and will finish you five ten yards down the field. He does not appear to have any scheme limitations to his game. Biggest challenge is evaluating the injury history. Suffered four season-ending injuries during his five-year collegiate career, including two ACL tears. But when healthy, he has an all-pro ceiling. That's what I think of Landon Dickerson as my interior offensive lineman number one. Do you have a uh, do you have a name down as a comparison for Landon Dickerson? No, I don't. I, I didn't focus on any comps really at all this year, so I did not. Yeah, mine's Quentin Nelson. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But there's times, <laughs> there's times where you watch him, six foot five, 330 pounds on the interior, just mauling dudes, and you're like, hey, you know who this reminds me of? Uh, no, I actually did write down Wyatt Teller, though. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's... A... I think that's, that's a little bit more legit, but also Wyatt Teller was like an all-pro guard this year, so it's kind of not. Um, but the uh, the size and mauling ability on the inside is mwah, right. beautiful. Right, I mean, he is going to be very high on my big board right now he is you know we've got tackles to go we've got wide receivers I know Kyle Pitts is going to be up there as well I already have some of the quarterbacks in there because I actually did those guys early but I'm going to go double check it before we actually get to the quarterback episode but Landon Dickerson's in a good spot to be a top 10 player for me in this class I hear you and then I started thinking about injuries. Nope, I don't, know. don't do it. Just turn them off. Nope. Turn them off. Just turn them I off. Know, I don't know how we're going to get medical information this year, but don't need we got to get it from Landon ASAP. Nah, don't need to. Just turn the injuries off. Pre-existing injuries off. Injuries during the season off. Copy that. It's fine. We'll be good to go. All right, there's the interior offensive line episode. 
We got offensive tackles coming up tomorrow. There's going to be a little bit of a blending because we're certainly going to talk about guys tomorrow that are listed offensive tackles that we maybe think are better as guards. And so we're going to be doing a little bit of blending over, but we're going to get to the offensive tackles of this class, see who the guys are in the first round, second round, third round, and all the day three diamonds in the rough as well. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.